The Engineering Commons podcast explores challenges encountered by engineers, regardless of their field or industry. Join mechanical engineer Jeff, civil engineer Adam, and electrical engineers Brian and Carmen as they discuss issues of interest to today's engineering professional. This is the episode for the 9th of January, 2014, in which we discuss the past year's episodes. So, Carmen, are you looking forward to the new year? Uh, yeah, in general, I'm pretty psyched about it. You know, things are looking up at work. Got some more chips in the line. Uh, yeah. You know, buying a house. So, things are looking good so far. Wow. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, once I move in February, I can redo my setup. For all you snarky listeners out there, audio and quality should improve. <laughs> we don't need Chris Gamble throwing any other any me under the bus anymore. Was it, was he? Uh, he's complaining about audio quality. Oh, he had some listener tweet me. You know, making making snarky comments about my audio quality. <laughs> so that will improve in the coming months as I. Get a better office that's, you know, in a house not by the street with loud neighbors upstairs. Oh, very good. Yes. And so there's a spare bedroom that has your name on it? Yes, it's the Dr. Seuss room, as I'm naming <laughs> it. The previous owners uh, painted it for their son. They put a Dr. Seuss quote on the wall. So I'm leaving it up and calling oh. it the Seuss room. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, this is our uh, our first episode of the year 2014. And so we thought we might uh, go back and review the episodes we did in 2013 and uh, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, what we learned along the way, uh, in retrospect, what we thought about those episodes. And so I thought as we started, we uh, don't always introduce ourselves. Other podcasts, sometimes the the host will say something about themselves at the start of every episode, and and we don't do that. uh, We're not that vain. (laughs) (laughs) I I changed the uh, the intro a few episodes back. Hired someone to uh, take this nice professional announcer voice, explaining that Jeff was a mechanical engineer and Adam was a civil engineer, and uh, Brian and Carmen were electrical engineers. But we haven't really introduced ourselves since uh, since the four of us got on together. What was it like? Episode twenty five or twenty six? It was a, it was a while back. I guess 20, it was episode twenty five. Twenty five. Okay back in, in March. So I'll go ahead and, and start. I'm Jeff Shelton. I'm a mechanical engineer, live in the, uh, the Indianapolis area, and uh, started out my career with uh, General Motors and uh, moved on to a uh, medical device company in the Chicago area. And uh, later on, worked for some other healthcare industries, finally uh, moved on to working for a machine shop for several years as its director of operations and uh, decided I'd go out on my own. And so for about a dozen years, ran my own design firm, a one-man band designing industrial machinery, and uh, decided, I don't know, darn near a decade ago that I wanted to, wanted to teach engineering at the university level. And so I went back and uh, started in on my PhD and finished that up this past May. So I'm currently looking for uh, for teaching opportunities. But had a chance a couple years ago to uh, start this uh, podcast with Chris Gamble. He wanted to talk about the philosophy of engineering and uh, thought that'd be a great idea. So that's how I got to the show. How about you, Adam? Well, I'm Adam. I'm a civil engineer, relatively uh, new in or early in my career, a bachelor's and master's degree from South Dakota State University. And now I work for 
state in the upper Midwest where we're currently seeing uh, continually sub-zero temperatures in this wonderful time of year. Um, you know, wh- about a year ago, I was listening to the podcast and uh, Chris had announced that he was leaving and uh, I figured what better way to give back to the, the podcast that has given me so much great insight into engineering than uh, offer my services as a co-host. And uh, Jeff said, sure, and uh, here I am. <laughs> and and uh, it hasn't been too awful so far? No, no. It, it's uh, it's fun getting together with you guys uh, every couple of weeks and talking about engineering problems. And, yeah, continuing to learn every single episode. Yeah, and I, I continue to find out uh, new things about civil engineering every time that, uh, the, that we have a discussion. In fact, I learned... Earlier, before this episode started, the definition of sea level. It's not just a arbitrary number, is it? No. Somebody, some surveyor long ago went and determined the theoretical or the average sea level over the course of a year and at some point built a giant stone obelisk in, I believe it's in Missouri, and that is defined as sea level for the United States. Now, how in the world did he find sea level in Missouri? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It's pretty complicated, actually. Without sidetracking the whole podcast, uh, we'll link to the <laughs> we'll link we'll link to the video I'm going to reference. But um, there's a video on this. Yeah, there's a, a whole three minute and twenty six second video from oh, the guy who does uh, minute physics about what is sea level, and it has to do with gravity and figuring out what sea level would be if the mountains weren't there. And I don't know, it's complicated. Some geological stuff I don't quite understand, but it's pretty cool. Is there nothing you can't find on the internet? I don't know. I I haven't found that yet. I'll check the internet. <laughs> All right, and how about you, Carmen? What's your background? How did you get here? Yeah, I just kind of signed online one day, and you guys said, hey, join this podcast. Um, oh, that's right. You just showed up. Yeah, yeah, I kind of wormed my way in. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, I'd been a regular listener. Once you started it with Chris, heard about it through him uh, in the Amp Hour, and I was blogging mm-hmm. at the time, but kind of on the outs with working and getting married and reprioritizing, as we'll talk about later. And I still wanted to do something for the engineering community, so figured, what the heck, why not try my hand at podcasting? And uh, gave you a call, and here I am now. Fantastic. So when I'm not on the, the internet talking with you guys through the tubes, I am an applications engineer for Intersil in the Raleigh-Durham area, working on power electronics for uh, laptops, notebooks, tablets, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Neat. Trying to remember basic circuit analysis so I don't look silly in front of my boss. <laughs> okay. And and the uh, the fourth member of our crew is not here this evening. I'll but, be playing uh, Brian- his role. <laughs> You'll play both roles. Yes. His- I'm I'm Brian. I live in Minnesota and do stuff with planes. Hey, well, that's pretty good. That's spot on. He, he's an electrical engineer as well, working in was it is it power systems for planes or is it avionics? I don't know. I wasn't really gonna aware I was gonna play his understudy tonight, so <laughs> I forgot to brush up on his bio. We'll, we'll just go with an electrical engineer in the, in the Minneapolis area. It is something with and, planes, and he writes some code occasionally. Right. Damn, we've only been doing this for like a year. You think we'd know each other better? What do you think? All right. Well, I guess this is just going to be an icebreaker episode. I throw the ball to Adam. 
Well, I guess that means we'll just need more episodes to get to know each other better. This is true. All right. Well, let's uh, uh, let's get on with this show, and that is reviewing last year's episodes. Sounds like we're living in the past. Let's review 2014's episodes. Oh. I think the one we did in June, or will do in June, is going to be great. Yeah. Yes. Right. And I, I like the one in August. Yeah, was that was groundbreaking good. podcasting right there. So that's going to get us a, a, an internet award. Absolutely. Our, our numbers blew up and, uh, you know, tons of Twitter followers and uh, subscribers as a result of that. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think everybody wants to be looking forward to that one. Yeah. And I, I think shortly after that is when we got the movie deal. Absolutely. So, yeah, 2014 is fantastic so far. <laughs> well, do you want to cover any of the ones in 2013? I suppose we could use a few. Use a okay. few. <laughs> we we got to fill our content. Right. Right. Well, Don't want to upset listeners. Exactly. We we have a high bar we set. Uh, the first episode of uh, 2013 was titled Time. And uh, we talked about the various ways in which time influences the work of engineers. One of the things that came to me in that is, uh, and we talked about it in the episode, was that there are events that happen during the calendar year. You know, snows happen and the weather changes and things like, you know, there's a period of time where you can't go in and, and repair the air conditioning equipment. There's times that you can, but these uh, these calendar-related issues are never talked about in school. Yeah, yeah. One of the big ones that affects me at work all the time is uh, Chinese New Year, which is about the end of January, beginning of February. I forget the mm -hmm. exact date, but I should know it. Um, <laughs> and everything kind of shuts down over there for their New Year. So getting boards built or, you know, part samples back is... You have to account for that. Otherwise, you're thrown off your deadline, and then there's some angry customers out there. Yeah, and Adam certainly has to deal with time. You yeah, we have uh, seasonal variations. At least where I am, we only have a six- to nine-month construction season, so um, you better get it done in that, that time frame. Otherwise, uh, ground's frozen. That makes it a lot harder. Right. Literally. literally. Yes, literally. As it, as it freezes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you guys had like jackhammers and stuff. You could you could get through anything. Um, well, a, you know, a, a D eight with a ripper tooth will go through some frost, but it costs a lot more money to run that. Yeah, yeah. I personally find the Mark Nines better, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to this soft southern clay. Uh, <laughs> we got plenty of clay up here. Though. Don't don't worry about that. Now, trust me, it's plenty hard too. Uh, <laughs> So what happens if you don't finish a road in time for winter? Do you just put an end cap on it and that's that? Or do you just have like a quick paved job you could do to get you over till spring? It, it depends a little bit. Um, usually it doesn't come down to that because we generally put in uh, significant, oh, uh, what's the correct word? Damages, I think is the word we're allowed to use, mm -hmm. uh, into the contract. So the contractor doesn't want to pay that. But um, there are some stopgap um you know, stopgap ways, if it's just shouldering, we can put in an aggregate shoulder and fix it the next year. Or with concrete, you can heat the concrete, but it costs a lot more money, obviously. Mm -hmm. Generally, we don't have too much trouble with that, but it happens. And you never know what the weather's going to do. We had a really weird spring this year where we got snow in April. <laughs> as much as I like snow, I can't say I missed that snow in April <laughs> when I moved down south. I think it was a record snowfall, too. And we had, well, three days before that, we had holes in the road. Mm. Yeah. Better get them filled. Uh, and our snowplow operators don't like plowing snow through work zones much. Uh, 
can imagine. <laughs> that could be a bit of a, uh, almost like a video game. Uh, yeah, yeah. That Or do they just crunch the cones with their giant blades? Um, they did throw a few cones. I mean, the bigger problem being is there's no place for the traffic to go um, to get around them, and the traffic doesn't like that either. And they just, they do a wonderful job and just got to go careful. So the uh, next episode that we did in uh, 2013 was about empathy, and we talked a little bit about why engineers could sometimes be seen as cold, heartless bastards. You know, there's some scientific studies that indicate engineers may be less empathetic than those in other professions. They're just biased because they don't want to seem like empathetic bastards, so they're going to put it on us. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting. There seems to be a trade-off between analytic and empathetic modes of thought. If you're if you're analyzing stuff, you're less empathetic. Uh, if you're being empathetic, you tend to be less analytical. And I don't know whether that's, you know, I can certainly see that if I'm concentrating on on solving something and somebody comes up to ask me a question, I can get pretty grouchy about being interrupted. I usually find I get grouchy with uh, some of our field guys a little too quickly, so empathy is something i got to work on with uh, the coming year in 2014. Um, you know, it, to me, it's, you know, oh, that's an easy fix, but, you know, yeah, i got to keep in mind that they're not just looking at my part. They have a customer who's designing in, say, six, seven, eight, nine, I don't know how many parts of ours, and, you know, they go to that, they lean on that FAE for support on all of those parts, so when there's a problem with one part, you know, or two parts at the same time, he's got to juggle that. Well, I only have to deal with one thing. Right. So I got to put myself in other shoes. It is important. You have to overcome the inherent grouchiness, inherent grouchiness <laughs> they, that you know sets in on your soul when you get your degree. So uh, what I got out of that episode was that a large portion of CEOs are actually sociopaths, at least uh, according to the official definition. It, well, a larger percentage than in the general public that, it doesn't mean that a majority of CEOs are sociopaths, just a larger percentage than the population as a whole. I, I trust that you remember that more thoroughly than I do. Uh, I, I was listening <laughs> to that episode in that April snowfall. So. Okay. <laughs> but that, that's just something I, I remembered, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Okay. So the next episode we did was uh, in early February, mid-February, titled Priorities. And uh, this is the episode where Chris announced he'd be leaving the podcast to pursue other interests. So that was kind of a uh, a shock to my little system. But Chris was uh, very nice about giving me a, a little heads up, and, and uh, we had a good discussion about it. And he was very encouraging that uh, we continued on with the podcast, and I'm glad we did. And so that episode, we, we talked a little bit about uh, priorities and burnout. Yeah, that was kind of a shock, too, because I don't think anybody saw Chris uh, Chris leaving the podcast. I mean, I guess in hindsight, you know, he was juggling six, seven, eight, nine projects at a time, and he was always adding new ones. <laughs> he uh, has more balls in the air than anybody else I know. Yeah, yeah, he keeps himself quite busy. But, uh, you know, stopping and reprioritizing is just something you got to do every now and again. And he seems, you know, to be pretty happy with where he is now with the whole contextual electronics, and that got off the ground just recently, so... Right. You know, as long as he's happy. Well, it's a good thing to set your priorities, and it's better better to pick a few things to do well than a whole bunch of things to do poorly. Yeah. To quote uh, Ron Swanson on Parks and Recreation, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, there's only so much time in the day. So working on things that don't interest you is pretty counterproductive. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're not getting paid for it. Exactly. And so although uh, Chris had indicated that uh, he wanted to uh, free up some time, I talked him into coming back for one final episode as a co-host, and he did for the uh, episode 24, which we released in early March, which was titled Leadership. And we uh, we talked with uh, Jim Stroop, who was the author of a book called Managing Leadership. So the the uh, thing I, I took away from that is is I hear this term leadership a lot, but it can have a couple of meanings. You can leadership can be the act of showing by example, or it can be the act of influencing or inspiring others. So one can show leadership by actually being in the lead, or one can show leadership by inspiring others to, to move on and do what they need to do. Yeah, I've, I've seen kind of both types in my brief, uh, you know, careers in engineering on co-op. My very first one when I was working in GE, I was working with an old analog gray beard and he, he led by inspiring me and, you know, showing mm-hmm. me all these cool circuits that I didn't really understand because I was still after only my second year at school. So I could barely spell transistor, let alone tell you what one was. Right. Um, and he, he kind of led by showing me all the cool possibilities of the field and really helped influence me on where I wanted to focus. And then, uh, you know, in other co-ops or my job now, you know, someone above me will just kind of lead by example and say, you know, this is this is why you want to take a half day when you can and scratch out that tough derivation because, you know, you pull out some dusty notebook and flip to a page and say, you know, in that email I sent out the other day, I referenced this formula I derived two years ago. And, you know, it's it's nice to always have these things to go back on. You build up your own personal library of useful things. So, you know, hat tip there. That's something you should remember. And I'll say, oh, right, okay. And I'll go try and rederive something one day and cuss for a while as I forgot all my math. Right. And you were doing that today, right? Oh, yeah. Spent a lot of time diving into transfer functions and Thevenin equivalencies. It was a good time. Ooh. Things I never knew. Don't really want to either. Um, I, I, I'd still been doing basic stuff with that, but this was a, a pretty intense problem for the level I'd been working at recently. And it's amazing how quickly those skills get rusty. Yeah. Something I got out of this podcast, at least I believe it was this podcast, was the, the concept that a leader can delegate authority, but cannot delegate responsibility. When someone gives you a task, that's your task to get done. Even if you assign somebody else to take care of it, you're still responsible. Right. And I just thought that was a, a good thing to keep in mind when leading anybody. Right. Well, in the, uh, in the following episode, after Chris left, we uh, had three new co-hosts. Who are they? Uh, give me a second. I'll come up with their names. Uh, All right. It would be Adam and Carmen and Brian. I think this is where I stopped listening. The show really took a turn. I mean, those guys were just loose cannons. <laughs> <laughs> they played by no one's rules but their own. Yeah. I quit listening there, too. Yeah, yeah, just just ridiculous. The show took a crazy left turn, and maybe not a very good choice there. You lost two listeners. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, this was uh, this was in mid March, and and the episode was Spark, and we talked about uh, what sparked our interest in engineering. So we were kind of off and running with the uh, the new co-host. The next 
episode that we did was elementary engineering, where we talked with Ann McMahon. She's involved in trying to interest elementary school and uh, high school students in engineering. Since we had not done any interviews with all four of us at this point, uh, we just did the interview with myself and Brian interviewing Ann, and that worked well. But really, at that point, I wasn't sure that we could have five people on the line at the same time and have the interview uh, go well. But uh, obviously, we've since proven that that is a viable option. We hope so, anyways. <laughs> well, we'll have to get some listener feedback, but I think it's been working pretty well. I think the only thing that's difficult is is for the guest who doesn't know our voices, they suddenly get questions coming from several directions and can't figure out who's doing the questioning. Yeah. Well, I could just drive to Indianapolis and we can just have all our guests fly out there and it's fine. We'll work around it. Right. We did We did have at least one guest who uh, was online with me as we got ready to start the episode. And then the other three of you signed online and, and he was suddenly going, where are all these people coming from? Is this live? <laughs> are we it's like, no, these are the co-hosts. It's, it'll be okay. Uh, yeah. This episode with Ann was pretty good, uh, even though I didn't didn't take part in it. I, I got a lot out of it. And I always like talking about uh, that initial spark that gets you into engineering, um, especially at a younger age, because that's kind of my story. You know, I got interested back in high school because of a good teacher. And it's, it's real important to do worthwhile activities in the classroom, I think. Well, you've done a lot of stuff at those maker fairs, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, for the last couple of years, I've been I've been teaching soldering there. And uh, it, that's real cool. And the kids, you know, you show them just what you're going to do and you touch the LED to the coin cell battery before you start. And you say, this is, this is what we're going to do, but on that circuit board. And, you know, they're, they then all of a sudden it's really cool because they see what they're going to make. And, you know, they're working with tools that they may not. And the moms are actually more scared of the kids working with soldering irons than the kids are. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've had, right. To, had to shoot quite a few parents away and say they 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 got it. They know that's the hot end. Uh, I'm watching them. They're not going to do anything crazy. And so how do the kids react to this stuff? I mean, are they really interested in a small electrical circuit when they could be off playing with a uh, a Game Boy or something? Um, yes, I, quite a few of them actually are pretty interested. Um, even even the you know the jaded teenagers who come by, you know, a lot of them mm-hmm. probably haven't seen a soldering iron before. At least that's my experience. Um, so you know, you're you got a hot stick that's you know there's smoke from the solder coming up and. <laughs> Uh, so do you think they're more interested in the soldering iron than they are in the electrical circuit? Yeah, I mean, to get that initial spark, does it really matter? You know, you say, oh, this soldering stuff is pretty cool, and you start building a few kits, and then you want to know how the kits work, and, you know, from there you've already jumped off the deep end. Okay. So I think it's more just the hands-on, and, you know, you try to throw a little bit of theory there at them. You know, they'll ask, like, well, how does the LED know how to flash? Because you make these little blinking badges, and... Right. Uh, then you get to explain that, oh, they've actually fit a little tiny flasher chip in the LED. And, you know, they, they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize there's a whole chip in there. And, you know, you just get that, that spark is what really matters. Well, whether I taught like five-year-olds or, you know, I think I taught a 70-year-old how to solder too. And you never know that five-year-old could be the uh, inventor of the next whatever gadget that we can't imagine today. What was that thing and that maybe, build roads? The Mark Nine or Deflabulator? I don't know. Uh, D eight. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a bulldozer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they could build the next one that hovers. The D nine. Yeah, the D nine. Yeah. It's got the hovercraft capability. It's a little extra, but I find it's worth it. I think we'll be talking about that in November. Uh huh. Oh. Well, those five year olds grow fast. 
Oh, I did say which year. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I actually think there already is a D9. Sorry, Carmen. Damn. <laughs> it doesn't hover, though. Not your model. That's your government red tape restricting your budget. Us private industry guys get all the fancy bells and whistles. So in uh, mid-April, we had episode 27. We talked about engineering skills and where they're obtained. I, I think this uh, was probably the first one of our several episodes which turned into the uh, soft skills are not taught in school, but really important. Okay. Um, also delved into some of our other favorite topics like uh, theory versus application in a, at the school level. You know, should they teach to the theory or should they do more hands-on, which comes up in I think just about every other episode. Yeah. This was also the first episode with uh, all four of our current co-hosts. Yeah, not just introducing ourselves. And I think that's pretty good discussions in it. Well, didn't we have we didn't we I have guess. one two episodes before with uh, Yeah, I forgot about that one. The Spark in <laughs> episode 25. Yeah, but we were just introducing ourselves. This is our first yeah. one where we really tried to tackle a topic. Yeah. Oh, that's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. First one was something we were trying to get done. Mhm. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, going back through looking at those show notes, I think I still stand by my position, uh, you know. Which position is this? I, I still do use way more hard skills than soft skills, but, you know, I'm just a grunt and not a, not a manager, so that's probably why I have to work on my empathy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think this, I believe this was the episode Adam and I talked about, you know, picking up soft skills, you know, in, in other places besides the classroom, whether it's through co-ops or you know, being a bartender or a tour guide, um, right. you know, taking yourself out of that comfort zone and just sitting in your room and grinding out your homework and actually talking to people. Right. Well, there certainly is a lot to engineering other than, than uh, doing calculations. Mm -hmm. So the, the next episode we did at the beginning of May, we called Sanity, and we talked about uh, what we did to stay sane. And so this was much less about engineering than what it is we did with our free time. Yes, and uh, the messages still hold true. Find find some kind of hobby. Get uh, <laughs> get some time to relax. And I, I went looking through those show notes. I still can't find that stupid quote I want to reference. Um, you know, is if you if you have a job that doesn't fill your passion, do your passion as a hobby. And if your job is your passion, you know, find a job that or find a hobby that has nothing to do with engineering. Something along those lines. Right. Uh, it's a really good quote, but I still can't find whatever book or magazine article I found it in. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with what you know, what kind of job you find yourself in. If if you've got a job that's just grinding you down, sixty hours a week, or six, you know, even more, and uh, you've got no free time, and and there's lots of pressure, and you're supporting a manufacturing line, or what, you know, you're on call all the time, the stress can build up pretty quick. You need a little, you need a, a means for blowing off a little steam. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is also an episode where we talked a lot about beer. Uh, uh, yes. Another one of our favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> that has kind of evolved into a subtopic of its own. Yeah, yeah, we should get a beer episode one of these days. Well, you were talking about, uh, or somebody was talking about getting a beer engineer that we could invite onto the show. Yeah, I'm trying to find one. <laughs> yeah. Looking to still practice my cooking hobby to blow off, uh, blow off some steam after work. You know, got some nice new chef's knives and, uh, fancy tools from the wedding. So I'm looking forward to starting to use those. Cool. Yeah. Do you normally do the cooking at your house? Yeah. 50, 50. Oh, okay. Well, 60, 40. I don't know. 75, 25. <laughs> 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 it 
It depends on the week and who, who has what going on. Right. So do you use your intuition to tell when you need to be doing the cooking? That was, that was a lovely segue. And yes, I do. <laughs> you know, I, I know if it's, it's the week that, uh, you know, the week or two before the beer festival and Kelly's working overtime and, you know, not coming home till late. I, I know better than to slap my fist on the counter and demand dinner. Um, right. That's a great way to be sleeping on the couch if I'm lucky or out on the patio. <laughs> um, <laughs> Right. I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore. <laughs> well, this in the, in mid-May, we did an episode called Intuition, and we talked about how engineers use and develop their intuitive senses. All right. I'm sorry I screwed up your segue. Well, no, you did beautifully. And uh, uh, I think that the, my highlight from that was that not everything can be analyzed, that we do use intuition. And uh, the other thing is it's sort of domain-specific, that you may be very good, you may have good intuitions in one field, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have good intuitions in all fields. So you have to kind of remember what your limits are. Yeah. Intuition can only take you so far. At some point, you have to have the technical skills to back up what your hunches are telling you. And that's kind of what I'm seeing at work. Um, it's half the reason I was deriving transfer functions all day today. Um, I'm kind of hitting a bit of a, a crossroads. At, you know, I can only learn so much on the bench, and as much as I like doing measurements and debugging circuits and stuff um you can only get so much out of it and i got to start doing some more math and simulation to get a better understanding behind the theory of what we're doing and build my intuition further do they uh they require you to have equations adam they don't like uh, you just saying i think the bridge will stand up uh, they very much like the equations but uh, a good part of why uh, at least in my profession the engineer is there and not just to a technician or a computer program is sort of the gut check. Does that seem right? Mm -hmm. um, and that it takes a while to build that intuition. But I think most, most engineers with some experience can look at something and see if it makes sense um, without actually doing the math and then do the math to confirm, obviously. But yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was, that was kind of backed up too by our discussion of the Myers-Briggs test. Um, you know, most, most engineers being, uh, intuitive rather than extra uh, thinking right no i n t j i is whatever it was <laughs> sensing rather than intuitive yeah there was sensing and thinking intjs and entjs yeah well that, that was introverted extroverted and sensing right. intuitive thinking feeling judging perceptive you know we put a lot of good information in these show notes <laughs> we do <laughs> The next episode we had was with a, a friend of mine, Clay Coons, and he talked about some of his uh, stories from traveling abroad. Yeah, I, I really like this episode. I always love swapping stories with engineers, and uh, he, he had quite a few good ones. <laughs> he, he does have – there are some that aren't on the show and would never be on the show that are pretty good too. But uh, oh, Man, we should, we should save for the after hours or something. <laughs> Clay's invited to our meetup whenever that is, and we can all be in the same city and drink a few okay. beers. He can tell us those stories. I'm sure Sure, there's some more colorful ones about, you know, working in that diamond mine and jury rigging repairs <laughs> for trucks with aluminum foil and coat hangers or whatever it was he used. Right. Yeah. I kind of want to go to Siberia after uh, hearing his stories about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, driving four hours from the airport or whatever it was in a Jeep or maybe that was a jungle instead of the, the frozen tundra. He had a lot of stories. He does. 
<laughs> he does have a lot of stories. <sighs> that, one, that one could have easily stretched on to two or three hours if we would have let it. Right. So the next one we did was in mid-June, which was crowdfunding. And we talked about how uh, this trend of crowd crowdfunding might influence the future of scientific research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had quite the ramble in this episode where I got ahead of myself, didn't think before I spoke, and reinvented the NSF. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the kind of bright minds you're working with on this podcast, Jeff. Right. Well, I there was a, a video on that I found online and I was making fun of it and it wasn't until I was doing the show notes that I realized it was a spoof uh, <laughs> and that I had been taken. So yeah. I, I did come across an article in the Forbes today that talked about hardware being the new software. So we may see, uh, you know, more crowdfunding for, you know, mechanical or mechanical electrical devices. Yeah. And especially, uh, you know, Kickstarters and stuff like that. I think Jerry Ellsworth's project, the uh, Cast AR, is proof of that, at least anecdotally. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem crowdfunding is kind of the in thing right now, uh, at least with the geek community. Yes. It's the new, uh, the new fad all the cool kids are doing. Yeah. Uh, whether it sticks around, I don't know, but I kind of hope it does. Me too. Let's try to crowd something, crowdfund something for the show. I feel like we're all very stressed right now. We should crowdfund a vacation. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. This is the Engineering Commons brought to you from Hawaii or something. <laughs> well, we, you know, propose a meetup in Hawaii and see who goes for that. There we go. But how, the, how are they going to crowdfund it? This is more for us to go. Yeah. Well, our listeners would have to like us enough to send us to Hawaii. I think that That's may true. be asking a bit much. Maybe we should do some science while we're there. We'll take the FFTs of some waves on the beach. Adam can build a sweet sandcastle moat, you know. It'll be, be hard-cutting-edge science. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even do like a, a, a video. We could, yeah. I mean, just to bring it back into doing something for the podcast. Of course, Not of course. It's idea. all about the podcast. This is this would be no fun for us. Right. Work, 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 work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. In Hawaii. <laughs> the the fluid dynamics dynamics of pina coladas out of actual coconuts, you know. Oh, very important science. It is very important. These are the questions no one's asking. Or at least nobody's answering. That's true. And and so do you think we'd uh, fit in on the beach there in Hawaii? You know, maybe maybe after the initial sunburn wore off. <laughs> that people wouldn't uh, see us as strange outsiders to, to that community? No, if there's one thing engineers are good at, it's blending in. <laughs> uh yeah we're we're definitely good at that uh which is sort of the topic well, which is the topic of our uh next episode fitting in number 32 i feel like we're doing an album countdown like casey Kasem back in the day <laughs> <laughs> well we kind of are yeah i'm not sure they're in uh quality order because we got a couple of uh i don't know yeah, anyway you know what what are you gonna say? A couple a couple of stinkers in there? What? Well, no, no, no. I'm saying we, we've passed some really good ones, um, <laughs> and we've got a couple good ones coming up, and we're going the wrong order for it to be a countdown anyway. So we're counting up. True. <laughs> well, so. in this episode fitting in, we talked about uh, working with those from other technical disciplines, and we also touched upon some of the software skills that engineers should possess. Ugh, I hate software. It's, I'm a dinosaur, <laughs> just living in the wrong age. Yeah, but I, I think we're trending towards everything. Engineering is becoming more software programming more than software programming is becoming engineering. True. Yeah. I like other people doing software programming for me. 
So, Jeff, I think you gave yourself an action item in this episode. You had to better describe the linear variable differential transformer. I did. Uh, yes. Have you have you brushed up on that? No, but I'm teaching lots like a, of fan mail about it. Okay. Well, I'm teaching the course again this spring, starting in about a week and a half. So, I will uh, I will do my very best to uh, to get it right from here on out. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll hold you to it on a future episode. All right. So the next uh, the next episode was a guest of yours, Adam, or a friend of yours. Uh, yeah. We had uh, Sebastian Alstrom, who's a civil engineer from Sweden, although he spent a little bit of time working here in the States just recently. And we talked to him a little bit about his engineering education in uh, Sweden and how they structured their education system a little different than uh, the typical American uh, American system. It was a kind of a nice perspective to see how somebody, how another country approaches educating engineers, which is a topic we talk about a lot. Yeah, it's one of one of our favorites. Uh, Sebastian also gets uh, to be one of the finalists in our most dedicated guest competition uh, due to the time zone difference. I think it was well, like four or five in the morning his time while we were recording. Yeah, something ridiculously early. Yeah, it was, it was horrifically early. I don't know. I can, I can barely get off the couch to record this podcast, and he's he's getting up. He's setting alarms. I mean, that's that's next level. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Sebastian, uh, for your dedication. We're, we're still working on a trophy, uh, but the finite element analysis isn't coming through yet. <laughs> we want to make sure it's structurally sound first. Uh, yes, yes. Well, the, the next episode we did uh, was accounting for engineers. And uh, while I like the uh, the concept of trying to compare what accountants did to what engineers did, episodes like that are difficult to put on, and I'm not sure that the uh, instructional podcasts like that are interesting. You know, we were describing, or I was describing, various types of financial statements. Uh, that's kind of dry to begin with, and uh, so trying to cover that in a, a conversational format may be a little much. I it was worth doing, but I. Uh, I don't know whether it really uh, – I don't know whether anybody really liked that episode or not. Yeah, we have to make a few tweaks if we do another episode like that in the future. Yeah, well, we haven't done many like that. I do think there's a lot of value in, in talking about some of these concepts, and we need to be able to relate to that finance department. Uh, every engineer is going to have to deal with them at some point. Right. <laughs> uh, well, the, the next one we did was uh, Knowledge Network, which we did in mid-August, and uh, we talked about – Engineering is a knowledge network that we uh, all need to share insights with other engineers. Definitely important, you know, and we talked a little bit about how people in the office tend to specialize in certain tasks, even though everybody's working on all the same stuff, you know, there's mm -hmm. your, your go-to layout guy or, you know, your go-to RF tester guy or, you know, the guy who can cobble together anything as a prototype and, you know, everybody's kind of got their own specialties and you got to rely on your coworkers. You know, I, I think I mentioned Twitter, and today, if anyone follows me, as a good example, is I, I tweeted a picture of the equation I was working on and asked someone to check my assumptions because I was getting stuck. And, you know, sure enough, two people, one from the United States and one from England, shot me tweets back and said, no, you idiot, you uh, you forgot this the current through this resistor. <laughs> Did they really say, no, you idiot? That's the way I like to take it. But, no, they, they, they were very nice about it, and we had a, a good, nice discussion about transfer functions. And uh, you know, with their with their help, I I got the equations to work out in balance. Very good. Yes. So knowledge network at work right there. I was applying uh, applying what we talked about. 
Excellent. Yeah. I mean, engineering is just far too complicated a subject for any one person to know everything. So right. you really need to know how to find the right person to know the answer to the question you don't know the answer to. Exactly. So our next episode was a guest that uh, you invited, Carmen. Yeah, yeah, Alan Wolke, uh, YouTube star, Tektronix engineer, um, <laughs> you know, uh, man, man of many hats when it comes to engineering. And uh, this was another really good episode where we were swapping stories with engineers and, you know, he was telling us about all the wacky stuff that happens in ham radio, uh, like the whisper uh, the whisper and uh, modulation scheme where you're, you're burying right. stuff in the noise and um, all the various ham activities Alan does. You know, Alan has a lot of stories, and, and all of them are good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, he's worked in many different areas, too, you know, uh, testing and design and field engineers. So he's he's got quite the uh, the knowledge breadth to fall back on, and he's seen a lot of stuff in his career. And yeah. Alan was also another finalist in our, our most dedicated guest award as he came on to record with us after driving from uh, – Massachusetts or some some faraway state to his uh, his hometown in New Jersey. So he right. was he was pretty tired himself too. Yeah, I think he was talking to Europe on the way as well. Yeah, via yeah, hand he had some bounces to Italy, I believe it was. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we we mercifully let him off after about an hour and a half instead of going on four <laughs> hours. <laughs> right, so he he could get some sleep. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm sure that no one would have any problems hearing another uh, another episode that went on for another two three hours. No, no, not at all. Might have to invite him back sometime. Yeah, maybe we could use it under the premise of uh, putting videos out there because I think he recently crossed ten thousand subscribers and a million views over the the Christmas holiday. So it's a pretty wow. big accomplishment. It's pretty good. Yeah. And who says ham radio is uh, is dying? Doesn't sound like it. No, he's, he said that there are more ham operators now than there have been at any other time. So, Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's always seen people at the test he uh, oversees and administers. I actually had a guy from work uh, not too long ago get his ham license renewed. He had let it fall out or expire or something. I, mean, mm-hmm. I forget exactly, but he had to go retake the test. And he oh, ended okay. up passing and getting his technician class. Oh, very good. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, the uh, guest of our, our next episode was David Goldberg, and he got his start with a uh, ham radio. He was telling us about using a teletype machine uh, to doc- talk to various parts of the world. I guess you don't really talk with a teletype machine, do you? Type to various parts of the world. It's like text messaging. It's, it's pretty similar. <laughs> it was an early form of text messaging, yeah. <laughs> how the world comes full circle. It's how we stay current with the younger crowd that listens. Text messaging, you know, Instagram and Snapchat. There we go. We filled our right. buzzword quota. And so uh, David talked to us about the shifting expectations for engineers and talked about the uh, crucial ski- skills needed by tomorrow's engineering professionals. I, I really like the discussion in this episode about how uh, World War II changed the engineering curriculum to focus more on hard science instead of practicality. Um, you know, there's a little bit of physics envy going on with the whole atomic bomb thing. And engineering kind of changed to reflect the fad of the day and we're still feeling the effects of that today yeah now we're trying to go back towards a more practical engineering curriculum yeah while still while still balancing the need to know the hard science too yes Uh, right yeah and yeah just where where do you find the time and you know how do you allocate the credits needed for a degree yeah he was talking about i think it was the grinter report was the the one that came out in the 
early 50s, I think it was late 40s, early 50s, that, that basically, you know, said that engineering should be taught more like a science and less like the uh, the applied art that it had been taught as up to then. And he, he, he dropped a couple of good books, too. Uh, I think Rise of the Creative Class really stood out to me, and I, I got it on my list of things to read in 2014. <laughs> yeah, and we will, uh, when we put together the show notes, I'll put together a list of all the books that we uh, we referenced in uh, 2013, so that if uh, you want something to read, there'll be a good list of books all in one location. Handy, because trying to flip through the show notes can get tiring. You're like, did I look at this one already? Did I look at that one? And <laughs> nice list will, will be good for both me and the readers, or the listeners. Right. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty long list, though. So uh, uh, It will be. So hopefully hopefully your Kindle is empty and you've got lots of room. And you can submit you can submit book reports to us for gold stars. Uh, more things to read. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all have plenty of time for that. Exactly. Who doesn't have time for a little grading at night? So the uh, next episode, which was in uh, mid-September, we talked with a guest that we had had on previously, Bill Porter. Yeah, I think he was our first return guest, wasn't he? I think Jim Heilman was our first return guest. <sighs> but Bill Porter may have been our second return guest. And uh, he talked with us about his work with underwater robots and electronics and science education. Yeah, it was another fun episode, uh, everybody swapping stories. Right. Now, you know, what was it? It was the sea perch that he was talking about. Was that a project that you had worked on in high school? Yeah, yeah. Um, he had done some work with the Sea Perch program, and I I'd built one in, oh, I forget, it was after my sophomore or after my junior year of high school. Right, and this is an underwater something? Yes. I forget what it stands for. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was a you know a remote control robot you built, and it was pretty simple, I guess, as far as robots go, but the object was to traverse a pool above and below water, and um, you had to collect ping pong balls um that were at various depths and you know the, the lower you went and got a ping pong ball the more points it was and you had to return them to the collecting basket for you know for points and competing against other teams and it was pretty cool exposure to engineering okay hmm. yeah it was kind of like a two-week summer camp i did at the university of maryland um and they talked about all the different aspects of engineering and it was a good experience i liked it another one of those great programs to teach engineering to uh aspiring engineers. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. We got to work with actual engineers and engineering students. So you got to see it from both perspectives. Right. Did you guys take a look at the um, the videos of Bill's wedding that he, he uh, that we posted in the show notes? Oh, right. Yeah, he was the one that they had the ceremony where they had to solder the wires. I did look at those. <laughs> he was prepared and had a multimeter on, on hand just in case it had to be debugged. Right. And uh, his, his uh, wedding jacket and uh, his wife's... Uh, Dress were both lit up with uh, were LEDs or yeah something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Definitely check those out if you haven't. I mean, that's a guy serious about his engineering, and clearly has an understanding wife. <laughs> clearly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, well, so we move from the from underwater into uh, nuclear energy in the next show. We talk with uh, Akira Tokahiro and just sort of did an overview of nuclear power. Yeah, it was cool. I was sad I had to miss this one. Uh, you know, I had to go off and get married. It was very selfish of me. But, oh, that's uh, right. That was your. That was the, the week of your wedding. Yes, it was. So for all the listeners who have been sending me love letters, uh, I'm flattered, but I'm off the market. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, yeah, but yeah, listening to you guys talk about the nuclear engineering with Akira was uh, was really cool. Oh yeah, well Brian was ready to go to town. He he's up on this stuff. Yeah, he he really liked it. He had all kinds of good questions. Yeah, one of the takeaways seemed to be that uh, things were pretty slow to change in the nuclear field. Yeah, there seemed to be a lot of uh, regulation and oversight, and really not a lot of people building. Right. Well, I guess I guess you know being cautious is good, considering all the bad things can happen if if nuclear goes bad. Oh yeah, definitely not a bad thing. Just a an interesting thing, especially compared to say electronics, which as soon as you go buy something at the store, it's obsolete. Right. It's a, it's a lot of red tape. <laughs> you want to go ahead and introduce the next one, Carmen? No, it was all made up. We just talked about fiction that episode. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we had uh, oh. Stefan Yeager on to discuss his book. That was a terrible, terrible segue. Um, yep. Whatever. <laughs> Let's go with it, though. It, it's fine. It's cool. No one's no one's listening at this point. They're they're all checked right. out. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had Stefan Yeager on to discuss his uh, his book, The Jackhammer Elegies, that he wrote, and um, yep. with the uh, best hero possible, a civil engineer. Yes, yes. Adam was overjoyed at that one, <laughs> and uh, I, I thought it was interesting. It seems like Jeff had been uh, pretty active in the engineering field, despite not actually having an engineering degree. Not that there's you anything mean wrong with that. Oh, yeah, Stefan. Sorry, I'm looking at the... Jeff does have an engineering degree. <laughs> you know, Jeff, Stefan, they're they're practically interchangeable. <laughs> well, I I did like his book. I I did buy his book and read through it, and I thought it was pretty good. Also on my list for 2014. But I I enjoyed his discussion of being uh, being on the staff of the American Society of Civil Engineers. He it was kind of interesting hearing what uh, what those professional agencies do. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. And then you know just going through the whole writing process of you know doing the research and especially when you're writing a book for engineers, you have to make sure those little details are are filled in because we love to nitpick. Right. Yeah, and it, it seemed like especially for not being an engineer, he did a a, a good job in his book of capturing a realistic view of engineering while still making it a thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he did. One of the things that I've thought about and, and seen other other places since then is uh, uh, discussions of just how huge an influence that mass media has on public perception. You know, you, you think that it shouldn't be a big deal, but people really do associate with what they see on TV and see in the movies and read in fiction. And so maybe there's a, a much greater need for... Uh, stories about engineers to make it into the mass media. Yeah, the reality is the day-to-day is not always that exciting, glamorous um, thing, but in the in the end, it's important. And at least, uh, I think we all think it's interesting. Yeah, but, but most doctors don't live the lives they show on, you know, ER or, you know, whatever medical show they've got going. I guess ER is kind of dated at this point. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I can't help it. I date myself every I don't, day. I don't know any current medical mouth. dramas either. It's fine. I was going to say Scrubs, but that's been off the air for like <laughs> six years. <laughs> oh. It's been that long? Maybe not six, but it's been a while. Oh. Well, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure the day-to-day of professors of symbology and literature go around running around Rome and solving the Da Vinci Code. So there is some truth in fiction. <laughs> Maybe we'll event- they'll have a successful... Uh- engineering uh, procedural. That would be cool. I think you could do one like Scrubs if you really wanted to. That's that's my right. pie-in-the-sky dream. I'll, I'll write that show. Yeah, and the question would be if they did a some sort of engineering 
show whether they'd be accurate as opposed to uh, like every time they're, they've got somebody's trying to crack a encrypted number and they show it on the screen. It goes click, 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 and they get one digit and then three digits and then four digits. And, you know, all of a sudden, oh, wait, we've got 15 seconds to, until that last digit clicks over. Uh, although when you're decrypting something like that, you either get it all or you get nothing at all. Yeah, once you once you solve the equation, you, you have the full number. <laughs> right. But that's that, that's a whole rant we should turn into an episode for 2014 is about engineering reality shows because I have a lot to say on those. Oh, okay. Yes. Whether well, it's, mark that you know, down. Mythbusters or the Big Brain Theory or anything really. Okay. I, I I can rant and give my opinion like the best of them. So, Carmen, you invited uh, the guest for the next show that we did. Yes, uh, Sophie Kravitz for our Going Solo episode to talk about working your, uh, working for yourself as a contractor. And that, that was another fun episode. I, I had fun yeah. with a lot of these episodes. It's almost like I enjoy doing this. Amazing. Yeah. Well, you got to enjoy what you do. Exactly. Uh, right. One of the few we did not discuss in any books I see here in our show notes. We did not, but we did get to discuss uh, her building a giant birthday cake. Yes, on the beach. for like 30,000 people. Yeah. I, I do remember that that was the episode where I was at a conference out in California, so was was dialing in. So your call, your call quality was probably about as good as mine then. <laughs> probably. Actually, actually, uh, Chris, uh, Chris uh, made some comment about that to me, talking about how bad the quality was on that episode, so. Yeah, so it's those giants like the Amp Hour squashing us, those us little guys. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> what are you going to do? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, no, it's cool hearing about uh, some of the, the challenges, you know, the contractor has when you're setting up shop by yourself, you know, finding clients, dealing with health insurance, figuring out what you're going to do for all that expensive software. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of challenges to going out on your own and, and starting a, a engineering firm. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest takeaway from this episode was – don't answer calls on Craigslist for engineers. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice in the in the show notes uh, or in the comments for this episode that we had a listener, Zamir, that was talking about the the high price of a lot of software, and he was uh, wondering about the availability and usefulness of open source open source software. And uh, a lot of times, the open source does things, but you've got you know it's pretty much on the bleeding edge. You've got to be either involved in its development or really patient in order to make that stuff work. Mm -hmm. And uh, there may be some limitations you could run into for using them for commercial purposes and all sorts of legal hassle, I guess, if you don't read the user agreement. Right. But that's a possibility for another episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We can put something together for it. Before we go on, Scrubs ended in 2010, uh, not 2007 (laughs) or 8, like I said. Well, but it should have ended, maybe. <laughs> ah, well, the season nine was supposed to be like a spinoff, but ABC wanted to keep the Scrubs branding and ended up killing themselves, shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I, I haven't made it that far yet. I'm working through that on Netflix right now. Ah, okay. So. Yeah, well, the ending of season eight where it was supposed to end is definitely some of the best TV ever, in my humble opinion. Okay. I caught the last, last season and, uh, yeah, I wasn't exactly impressed. Yeah, if you, if you try to look at it as a separate show, it's not too bad. But you know, coming coming off a of season eight of Scrubs, it just couldn't hold up. Mm-hmm. 
So do you think if they had had uh, some sort of quality control, they could have uh, done better job with that season? Yes, I, I think that definitely could have influenced and uh, been a better factor or a bigger and, factor. And, is, in it. and in the, how was that for a segue? That was fantastic. You're, Wonderful. You're a professional segueer. <laughs> in the next episode, we talked with Erica Lee about uh, the role of process improvement tools such as Six Sigma and lean manufacturing and statistical process control. Yeah, every engineer's, uh, you know, every engineer's fantasy in their day-to-day -day work. Once you get your fancy design up and running, and then it has to work a lot instead of just once. Right. Uh, you know, robust solutions that don't fail and ship reliably, and that's where Six Sigma comes into play. I remember surprising myself at how much I geeked out on the statistics. Um, I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> So we talked with her about sort of stories about, you know, applying Six Sigma. But again, it's uh, it'd be nice to be able to dive into the equations, but I don't know how to do that in an audio format. You know, it gets, you know, if we talk about the equations for, you know, CP and CPK values or something like that, you can do it, but uh, it's not very conversational. So I guess we'll have to uh, stick with being the teller of engineering stories and not the explainer of engineering equations. Oh, that's fine by me. Then our whole episodes would be like, you know, two hours long because we'd be figuring out where we missed the minus sign. <laughs> Riveting radio. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what engineering school's for. We're here to, to fill in the void. Yes. Ooh, can that be our new uh, motto? Perfect. We're here to fill in the void. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. We can rebrand in 2014. There we go. That's a possibility. We did just uh, move the uh, the website. It'll look identical, but we moved it off of the server that Chris was providing and and uh, onto a server that uh, I have. So we have full administrative rights to the uh, the website, and so maybe we'll we'll do something fancy it up a bit. Yeah, I noticed that Chris had just redone the Amp Hour website. So since we're the inexpensive, small, much smaller sort of brother to that show. Mom, mom and pop shop podcast. Right. Yep. Uh, speaking of Chris, uh, he was our guest on our next episode. Oh, wow. What a, what a coincidence. Uh, where we talked about context and Chris's contextual electronics. But before we got into that stuff, uh, a far more important topic, beer. Yes. <laughs> right. Definitely far more important than context. Uh, yeah. If you're an engineer who functions without beer, come on our show because I'd like to meet you. <laughs> well, now I do know engineers who don't like beer. That's true. That's true. I I don't think we ever made any comments about, you know, drink responsibly. and Which you should do, drink responsibly, blah, 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 all that blah, good stuff. Blah. We were just making sweeping generalizations in the name of good radio. <laughs> yeah. Our corporate sponsors told us we had to say all that now. We have corporate sponsors? Yeah, we just didn't give you any of the royalty money. Oh, <laughs> we've been, we've been yeah. buying jets and stuff. It's fine. Oh, yeah. No, no corporate sponsors, but if anybody wants to sponsor us, send us an email. Sure. We, we won't say no. We do accept sponsorship in beer. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Any type, really. We won't be picky. Um, but anyways, our, our real topic or the, the focus of that was talking about context and uh, how to particularly how Chris is teaching electronics in a little more practical way. Yeah, rather than just talking about engineering and the fact that 
engineers like to talk about hands-on is important. He's, you know, he's not talking. He's actually doing something about it. Yeah, yeah. We all have ideas about the way things should be, and he's actually out there making it happen. Yeah, so uh, that's starting up this month. It's January of 2014. So. I think he's still taking sign-ups if anyone's interested. Mm-hmm. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. You know, we just proactively made Chris a sponsor so we get some of that contextual money. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Does anybody know exactly when that's starting? I know he said January, but is there a particular date? I uh, can't remember. I think it maybe mid-month, I want to say. Okay. I saw that he shifted it from – originally it was going to be 10 weeks, and then the more recent documentation indicated it was an eight-week program. I wonder if it's still eight weeks, if that includes the ad drop period, because that was two weeks too. <laughs> January 20th, according to the most recent email I have. Very good. Well, this will, this episode will come out on the 9th of January. So people, if you, if you listen to it soon after it's published, you'll have a chance to get in on the beginning of Chris's uh, program. Yeah. Wish Chris all the success with that and uh, hope it goes wonderfully for him. We'll have to start calling him professor, I guess. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll wait for his, uh, contextual mechatronics program. <laughs> He's going to get you to teach that one. You just wait. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so in the, the next episode, we talked about ambiguity. Or did we? <laughs> uh, if we, if we haven't lost any listeners up to this point. We certainly have with this episode. <laughs> It'll be our terrible puns and segues. Well, I don't, I don't know if you listened to the beginning of it, but I dropped in to our intro, we looked at the dog with one eye because you don't know if we're looking with one eye or the dog only has one eye. Oh, okay. Oh, see? Yeah, that, that makes about as much sense as that episode did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's still a pretty good episode, though. I like this one. Well, it, it was one of those that uh, uh, I thought it was worth talking about because it is an issue we all kind of have to deal with, but the definitions of ambiguity are tough, you know, uh, and there were some you know, academic distinctions to make between risk and uncertainty and ambiguity. And it was, it was a difficult subject to cover. And so, I don't know, perhaps just by talking about it, we, we provided some value. Through our, our anecdotes and rambles. I, I had another good one on here that, uh, <laughs> you know, talked about sustaining engineers and versus design engineers and I don't know. I feel like it came out a mess, but uh, hats off to Jeff for editing that into something sort of coherent. Well, it's amazing what you can do with the uh, audacity and uh, all the days of editing time. <laughs> can you make me sound taller from now on? Well, I'll work on that. All right, sweet. I, I think with the, if we add a little reverb and you know maybe a little <laughs> bass into your into your vocals, we can get there. All right, I like it. The wonders of post production. Absolutely. And we, we did reference a very important book there, Dogbert's Top Secret Management Handbook. <laughs> yes, we did. And so uh, we finished off our 2013 in a successful manner, talking about success with uh, Anthony Fasano. Not going to lie, haven't listened to this one yet. I'm backed up on all my holiday stuff, podcasts out mm. the wazoo, but I'm sure it'll be my favorite. And And so where were you for this one? Uh, I was back home in Buffalo for the Christmas holiday. Or no, hmm. this is when we recorded this one. I was scrambling to get all my stuff done at work to go home to Buffalo. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to petition my boss off for uh, a week off every month now because in that week leading up to my vacation, I think I got more done than I had in the last two months. <laughs> That's not true. 
for any potential employers out there. Right. But maybe. Right. Well, so I, I had, I had someone tell me that, uh, after, after my wife and I got married, that for about the first year, everybody wants to be near you. That, you know, there's a certain glow about a newly um, married couple and, you know, everybody wants to invite you over and talk with you and, you know, they just want to be around you to share in that glow. And so I can understand that, uh, you know, heading home for the Christmas holiday, uh, that is important that you be there and the lots of people clamoring to, uh, to see in your, see you and your new bride. Yes. Yes. I am pretty charismatic, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that's pretty true. Cause it was the first time we were home since the wedding. So everyone was dying to see us and we got to relive the wedding all over again. And, and did you go to the, uh, to the supermarket that you've told me about in Wegmans? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was everything I had imagined it would be. And, and what, what did you get while you were there? Sadly, nothing exciting. I got some broccoli and a chocolate bar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's hard to believe that that's what you would go to at the world's best supermarket. I didn't want to be frivolous. That was all I needed. <laughs> I, already, I wanted to get more, but I was already living on Christmas cookies, so I feel like I didn't need to blow my, my budget on sweets. Right. Anyways, tell me about this episode. Make, make it sound juicy for me here. I'll, I'll put it on my podcast, uh, my earbuds tomorrow as I'm working. Well, uh, Anthony talked to us a little bit about his uh, his career, where he very quickly rose through the ranks of a civil engineering firm to being a partner, and then uh, left that glamorous lifestyle to become a career coach for uh, for engineers. Seems like an odd career choice, but then again, I'm someone who's right now at least dedicated to the technical side of things. Well, he talked about being a, being a big fan of Tony Robbins. As he was growing up, and so I think that you know, after he'd moved up through the engineering ranks and saw that what uh, what that career was, I think he maybe thought that being a career coach was something that uh, was more suited to to, uh, to his uh, lifelong ambitions. Mm-hmm. I could see that being a cool career option, though. But I think he had good, you know, good ideas. I mean, his seven keys and that he puts in his uh, his book, Engineer Your Own Success. He he can't can't argue argue with those too much. No, he had some he had some very good points about how to go after promotions and succeed in uh, in your career. His seven keys were setting goals that makes sense, obtaining credentials you need that, finding a mentor. Uh, I never did that. Did you guys do you guys have mentors? I don't know. Probably. Well, I mean, do you have an official mentor? or You just have people you go to from time to time. Oh, uh, people I go to from time to time, I guess some more than others. Yeah. But I don't have anybody who has a mentor badge. Okay. Uh, I have both. Part of the uh, the program I'm in, the young engineer program I'm in, involves uh, formal mentoring. Right. Right. Uh, number four was become a great communicator. And there you have evidence we were great communicators. Yes, yes. Touching uh, millions, I think, with this podcast at last count. <laughs> Uh, networking, what we talk about, you know, you know yeah. need to go out and share with others, becoming organized. I think that for any job, not just engineering, becoming organized is good and becoming a leader, which is probably no matter what position you're going for to rise through the ranks, you have to be seen as a leader. Yes. So there you go. So you can uh, go back and listen to that episode to uh, find more information or, or go read Anthony's book. This article about getting out of your email inbox looks good. I'll have to check that one out. Very good. 
And so that brings us, that's, that's all the shows to, uh, for 2013. So you guys have any big, uh, resolutions for 2014 or just sort of keep on keeping on? Ryan Gosling is going to play me in our movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He signed on in, I think, uh, oh, October of this year. Hmm. Yeah. But other than that, no, no big news. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I've got studying for the, uh, professional engineering exam. Oh, when are you, when are you taking that? I hope to take it in April. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So that'll be uh, a big, important step. Absolutely. Are, are you taking a, uh, you know, as like some sort of study group or some sort of program to get your re- yourself ready for that? I intend to, although the program I, I hope to participate in hasn't, hasn't advertised yet. Okay. For this, uh, this round of, um, round of testing, although the applications aren't due yet. So still early in the game, trying to, to not procrastinate like I did in college. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I've read somewhere that those who take uh, preparatory courses or, or classes do better on average. And I, I can see that just because it forces you to, to do problems, to work problems you really wouldn't want to work. And you're willing to do it because you know there's somebody there that can help, you know, answer it and solve questions for you. So when I was yeah. getting ready to take my PE, uh, that's what I did. The local college was offering a, I can't remember, six, eight, ten week program where you, you know, got together once a week and they would hand out problems and uh, then you'd solve it you know you'd work the problems during the week and you'd come back and then they'd go through the solutions and explain you know answer questions about how you got through the problem and that was very helpful it uh, it was really useful i thought yeah um, our local or our uh, collective bargaining unit holds a, a free class for members at uh, they bring in a an expert in each of the various fields mm-hmm. who recently took the exam to uh kind of reteach those sections. So we'll bring somebody from the our bridge office to talk about structures that a younger engineer who recently, uh, in the last couple of years, took the PE. Okay. So get a fresh perspective, perspective on what the exam's actually like. Terrific. Well, I see by the, uh, the clock on the wall, well, actually, it's on my computer screen, but by the clock on the computer screen that we've gone well over the hour mark, so we should probably think about wrapping this episode up. But it was all quality. Well, every minute of it. Every minute. It always is. <laughs> right. It always is. And so uh, I I will say that we have uh, in in 2014, we'd be interested in knowing what our listeners want to, uh, what topics they'd like us to cover. Uh, we sort of cover topics that, you know, are, are of interest to us, but uh, would be interested in what uh, the listeners want to listen to. And so we're going to put out a survey with this episode, uh, asking a few questions about where listeners are from and uh, what their backgrounds are and, and ask them what kind of things they like to listen to and what kind of topics they'd like us to address. So uh, if you're hearing this and you're uh, willing to help us out a little bit, we'd surely appreciate your going and taking that survey. I wouldn't think it would take any more than, what, five minutes? No, something like that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's about what I got on my dry run. Okay. Yeah. And it's only going to help make the podcast better. It can't hardly be any worse, can it? No, not even a little bit. <laughs> well, we could stop with the post-production. Oh, well, yeah, that might make it a little worse. Or better. Who knows? Oh, that's true. You know, reality is reality. Maybe people would prefer that. Hmm. 
All right. We could, we could add some auto-tune. That's what the kids like these days. So we should... Auto-tune part of our uh, conversation? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, do you, have, you guys have any uh, concluding remarks for uh, 2013 or any introductory remarks for 2014? Be prepared for a lot of complaining about home maintenance from me. I'm calling that right now. <laughs> <laughs> when do you move into the new house? Uh, we're going to close in the beginning of February, so okay. sometime during that month. And then it'll be just in time for me to complain about starting lawnmowers and mulching gardens. But you'll have to complain about that well before Adam could because you're going to be growing grass long before the sun shines again in Minnesota. Yep, I can't put off yep. buying a lawnmower. That's something I'm going to have to get <laughs> shortly before March starts, I believe. But you don't need to get a snowblower. That's true. But if people are sick of hearing me complain about cutting the grass, I will also accept ideas for how to turn my garage into an awesome workspace. So there'll be that, too. There we go. Well, that will be uh, – I think that's in December that you show us pictures of uh, what you've turned your garage into. I don't have a garage now, so I didn't send any pictures out. No, I'm saying next December. Oh, 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 yes, In the future yes. episodes yes, of our award-winning podcast. Sorry, sorry. I was looking at a different page of the show notes. <laughs> I was looking at the 2013 show notes, not the 2014 ones. Oh, my mistake. I apparently yes. did not communicate clearly. <sighs> so did we win the award for best engineering podcast named the Engineering Commons? We did. Okay. No, I think we came in second. We did? <laughs> there, There's a cheap parody podcast that beat us out. Man. They oh. bribed the judges. Yeah, well. You did say award winning. We won all the awards we created for ourselves. Can't hope for anything worse, I guess. <laughs> uh, we got to stop. We're running out of steam here. Our, our jokes aren't up to par. We don't want to disappoint our audience. If there's any left at this point in time. That's true. If you're still listening, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still listening, let us know. And we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll call this one done, and uh, we'll get back together in a couple of weeks and do another episode of the Engineering Commons. Yes, more shooting from the hip, off the cuff. It'll be great. All right, I'll talk to you guys then. Okay. See you later. See you later. Bye. The Engineering Commons is produced by Analog Life, LLC, and Engineering Revision. Theme music by Paul Stevenson. For more info, visit theengineeringcommons.com. <laughs>